0: To worship the Lord means that we adore his wondrous glory, that we reverence his awesome presence, that we glorify his mighty name, that we exalt his many accomplishments, that we magnify his priestly position. That we honor his eternal word, and it also means that we, we respect his absolute authority. And we should be confident that when we truly and genuinely worship, the Father is glorified. The Son is magnified. the Holy Spirit is gratified. The Bible is ratified, the church is edified, the soul of man is satisfied, and, of course, the devil is horrified. Now, my second sermon is a little bit longer. We're in the series about the Beatitudes that we read about in Matthew 5, beginning at verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are they that mourn. For they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. And this morning, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Someone has said that this is one of the most beloved and best known of the Beatitudes. I I don't know. It could well be. But when we look at this, what is the heart that is the central part of this Beatitude? Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, I think all of us know it's not talking about the physical blood pump in our chest. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, Paul says that though the outward man is wasting away or decaying, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so when it speaks about the heart, it's talking about the inward man. (coughs) Excuse me. One's innermost character. Needs to be pure. The whole of man's inner nature. It includes the spiritual man in its entirety. When the Bible speaks about the heart, it's talking about this spiritual man. Sometimes it uses the word heart to refer to man's intellect. Other times his emotions. Other times his will. Another time his conscience. That's the entire spiritual nature of man. And so this is to be pure. In Mark 2 and 8, Jesus illustrates the part about the heart being the intellect. When he looked about upon him and he said, Why reason ye these things in your heart? And so when we involved our minds in the intellectual part, that's the Bible heart. Jesus said that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And that's the emotional part. Barnabas said in Acts eleven twenty three, 23, he exhorted them, I mean Barnabas, he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. And what we purpose or intend to do is a part of the will, the volition. And First John 3, 20 and 21 speaks about how our hearts condemn us or our hearts do not condemn us like the conscience. And so, blessed are the pure in heart It's talking about blessed is the whole of man. When the whole of man is pure. Well, what is purity of heart? It's free from evil. It's free from sins. We talk about pure gold. Pure gold is that gold which is free from dross, its impurities. And when they have this, uh, whatever it is, it's got gold in it, and they want to refine it, they melt it. It becomes liquid in form. And all of the dross and the impurities rise to the top, and then they dip off that dross. And the gold that's left is pure gold. And so when we take sin and evil and transgressions out of our heart, all that's left is a pure heart. A pure heart consists of, let me give you three general things. One, it's cleanliness of thought, singleness of purpose, and sincerity of motive. There's where we have a pure heart. To be pure in heart, one must think the right things, love the right things, and purpose the right things. Let's look at each one of those a little bit. Paul said in Philippians 4 and 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of a good report, If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So a pure heart is that which thinks upon the right things. And there Paul gives us a list of things that we ought to think about. Let our minds dwell upon. And that doesn't leave any room for the dross of evil. And we're to love the right things. When Jesus was asked, you know, What's the greatest commandment? We've referred to this already. He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart. That's the right object for our love. Jesus said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's why we're to love the Lord with all of our being, all of our heart. In Colossians 3, 1 and 2, he said, If then you've been raised together with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set not your mind, that is your affections, upon things that are here upon the earth, but upon things that are above. So we're to have a pure heart. We're to love the right things. And we're also to purpose the right things. Like Daniel. Daniel in chapter 1 and verse 8 said that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's dainties or with the wine which the king drank. He purposed in his heart. And so, to have a pure heart, one must think the right things, love the right things, and purpose the right things. The Jews sort of prided themselves on their ceremonial purity. That goes all the way back to the beginning of the Mosaic Law when God said, now these things are pure and these things are impure. These are clean, these are unclean. You can eat these, you can't eat these. You can touch these, you can't touch these. We remember when Peter was upon on Simon's housetop, it was dinner time, he was hungry, he was waiting for him to get dinner ready, and he went into a trance. And in the trance he had this vision. He saw this vessel, this sheep, Lord, with all kinds of animals and beasts and birds in it. And then he heard the voice say, Peter, rise and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean that is impure and unclean. Of course, the voice told him, what God says is clean, that's clean. But Peter comes from this background of recognizing what's pure and what's impure. And they had to observe that. The moralist of our day emphasizes morality and we need more of those kind of people around do we not but Jesus went beneath all of this and he placed the emphasis upon purity of heart blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God when the heart is pure then the life is going to be pure in Proverbs 4 and 23, the wise man tells us, if I can remember what the wise man said, uh, about giving yourself all diligence to keep your heart, you no, know, um, how's that start? Uh, give all diligence to keep your heart pure. That's not the exact words. Let, let me look that up. Proverbs four twenty three. that I can remember. With all diligence. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The life is the the source of what we think and what we say and what we do. That's where everything is initiated. It comes from the heart. And so that's why the Lord wants us to have a pure heart. There's not any room or source for anything else but purity. In Matthew fifteen, eighteen, and 19, the Lord says, and he's talking about the heart being the source of life, but the things which proceed out of the mouth come forth out of the heart. And these are the things that defile the man. For out of the heart come forth, and he gives us a list of evil things, evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, railings, These are the things which defile the man. Where do they come from? They come out of the heart. I think with this in mind, it helps us maybe to better understand what the Lord meant. When first speaking through Jeremiah, he told the people he was going to give them a new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. He says, I'm going to give a new covenant to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And among the things he described there was this, verse 10 of Hebrews 8. I will put my laws on their mind, and in their heart will I write them. Now what did the Lord mean that he was going to write his laws into the heart of those who enter into a covenant relationship with him, with his people? Well, his... Laws are the things he wants us to do and tells us things to avoid. And if that's written in our hearts, that's what we're going to do. A heart is the originator of what we do. And if his law is there, that's what we're going to be thinking about and that's what we're going to be saying and doing. I'm going to write my laws on their hearts because it comes from the heart, the issues of life. So, purity and dirt are not compatible. He wants us to have purity there, not dirt. Pure heart, the pure heart will not think vulgar things. Do we really know or think much about what is involved in having a pure heart? Now, I can't judge you. I may be thinking through my own heart. I mean, how conscious am I of what purity of heart is? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But the person who is pure in heart will not think vulgar thoughts, will not tell vulgar, dirty stories, will not read dirty stories, will not see obscene movies. If our spiritual lenses are smeared with dirt, our spiritual vision is going to be blurred. It's not going to be pure. Do we know what a pure heart is? Could we pray this without a pure heart? Well, we couldn't. The psalmist said, Psalm 19 and verse 14, and this is a prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Jehovah, my rock and my redeemer. If I'm thinking these evil, dirty, vulgar things have this dirt in my heart, how can I say, God... Let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. That's an impossibility. And who would even think of asking God to do that? We don't want to pray when we've got those dirty thoughts running through our minds. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 28, that everyone that looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That's not a pure heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A pure heart involves more than getting rid of lust. It also involves pure motives. In James 4 and 8, it says, ye sinners, cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. He's saying there that the double-minded do not have pure hearts. But what does James mean by double-minded? Well, it seems like he's talking about a heart that's trying to go in two different directions. Double-minded. They are to purify their hearts because a double-mind is not a pure heart. We need singleness emotive. In John one forty seven, Jesus described Nathanael this way. He says, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Now that's a pure heart. No guile. The pure heart does not want to deceive anybody. He doesn't want to mislead and injure anybody else. He wants to have a peace of mind. And most of all, he wants to see God. So a pure heart is a heart that involves pure motives. Perhaps serving God with the outward appearance while one's heart is not right. It's sort of a spiritual Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, what blessedness comes to the pure in heart? They shall see God. There is cleanliness of vision. They shall see. Not talking about natural vision, but spiritual vision. Pure in heart shall understand, shall appreciate, shall properly evaluate. That's what it takes, a pure heart, to do that. Health of one's eye gives clearness of natural vision. Optometrists call this 20-20 vision, I think, Brenda. But the health of the heart gives clearness of the spiritual vision. The light of the gospel shall dawn upon them if they have a pure heart. Well, secondly, what is the object of this vision? They shall see God. To see God is the soul's deepest longing. It's the highest possibility. the Orientals thought it was the greatest of joy to be able to look into the face of their king. And so should the Christian. They shall see God in two, uh, two ways. The pure in heart shall see God now. Now. They shall see God in his works. In Psalm 19 and 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. And Romans 1 and 20 tells us that since the creation, by God of course, the things that have been made are, the attributes of God are clearly seen through the things that have been made. So that they are without excuse. There are people who say, well I'm an atheist, I'm an agnostic, I'm an infidel, uh, they may not call themselves that, but what they're saying, I don't believe in God. Well why not? Well I think part of the reason is, if not, the reason they do not have a pure heart because they do not see clearly and Paul said the attributes of God are clearly seen in the things that are made they don't want to see God they're not looking for God Romans 1 and 27 they have no excuse for not finding God what's the problem those who have a pure heart shall see God now they shall see the glories of God. They shall see His power and His majesty and all that God has made. And they shall see God now in His people. Those people are living like they ought to be and reflecting God's nature, His image, they should see God. Paul said in, Philippi- in Ephesians four and five, four four and five, four, verses four and five, "There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. And one God and Father who's over all, through all, and in all. God dwells within his people. And those who have a pure heart should be able to see God in his people. And they also ought to be able to see God in his Son. Philip came up to Jesus, John 14, 8 and 9, and said... Teacher or Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. And Jesus was a little bit disappointed. He said, Have I been so long time with you? And you asked, Show us the Father? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Why say he show us the Father? Jesus says, You look at me, and you'll see the Father. They shall see God in his Son, and they shall see God in His book. We've already noticed how God has revealed Himself in His creation, not telling us everything about His nature or His will, but certain things that we can know He exists. But He's given us a revelation, we call it the Bible. And He's revealed Himself, His nature, His will in the Bible. And those who have a pure heart shall see Him now they study that Bible with a pure heart and secondly they shall see God the pure in heart face to face in eternity in 1 John 3 2 and 3 John says that we're the children of God we don't know yet what we'll be like but we're going to be like him for we shall see him even as he is and then he says now those who have that hope are going to do something Let me read those two verses. Beloved, now are we children of God, and it is not yet made manifest what we shall be. We know that if he shall be manifested, we shall be like him. For we shall see him even as he is. And everyone that hath this hope, seeing the Lord, being like him, that's the hope. And everyone that hath this hope set on him... Purifieth himself, even as he, the Lord, is pure. We shall see him even as he is, face to face. Revelation 22:3 and 4 says that his disciples shall serve him and shall see his face. That's the promise that we have here. My God, how wonderful thou art! Thy majesty, how bright! How beautiful thy mercy seat in depths of burning light. Father of Jesus, love's reward, what rapture will it be? Prostrate before thy throne to lie and gaze and gaze on thee. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, if the promise is the pure shall see God, it follows that the impure shall not see God. They are blind to Him. We're just summarizing a point we made earlier. They do not see God in His works, in His people, in His Son, and in His Word. Now, let me close with this. we have talking about how we should have a pure heart. Some of the things, how we should maintain that pure heart. But initially, God has to cleanse our heart. And how does he do it? Well, it's through the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ. Through his atoning sacrifice. In Revelation 1 and 5, to him who loves us and who loosed us from our sins, By his blood. Jesus said in Matthew 26 and 28 as he was introducing the Lord's Supper, This is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many unto the remission of sins. And other scriptures speak speak about the blood of Christ being that power that cleanses our hearts and purifies us, forgives us of all that's wrong in our lives. We need to come in contact with that blood. Well, the hearts of sinners are purified initially by the faith. In Acts 15 and 9, Peter makes a statement that God made no distinction between us and them, between the Gentiles and the Jews. Cleansing their hearts by the faith. It's not just faith. There's an article there that says, by the faith. And deep faith, like in Acts 6 and 7, talks about the gospel. It's talking about the truth. And Peter also said, just later in his epistle, 1 Peter 1 and 22, seeing that ye have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth. It takes the blood of Christ, that's God's part. But on man's part, to have that purity, we must do his will. We must come in contact, spiritually speaking, with his blood. And we do that by obeying the gospel, obeying the truth. We we willingly stand up before men and women and we confess our faith in Jesus Christ. We willingly resolve, repent, to turn from our sins and to do his will. And we willingly bury or buried with him in baptism for the remission of our sins. And then the Lord purifies our hearts. Now, as saints, 1 John 1 and 7 tells us that we have his blood always available to keep our hearts pure. For if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanseth us from all sins. That's directed to the child of God to the one who has purified his heart by obeying the gospel and now he continues to obey it, by walking in the light. Is there one here or more this morning who would like to have a purified heart? You need to turn to God. You need to do God's will. You need to obey the gospel and he will cleanse you. And then by walking in this light day by day, he'll keep that heart pure so that one day All of us will be able to look him in the face. We shall see God face to face in eternity. If you're subject to the gospel, will you come as together we stand and sing.